from Transport Topics in Washington, D.C. This is Road Signs. And now here's your host, Michael Fries. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. As 2020 has been marred as the year of COVID, 2021 should be considered the year of recovery as vaccine distribution ramps up across the world. In this episode, we'll set out to answer this question. How has the industry's execution of COVID-19 vaccine distribution fared thus far? Today, we're going to speak with two people who give us some insight on this subject. From logistics company DHL, we'll have Larry St. Ange, who serves as Life Sciences and Healthcare President, and Jim Monkmeyer, Transportation President. DHL started its distribution efforts back in December. Now with the U.S. distribution efforts well underway, were there points of impact discovered through the international distribution that DHL had been able to apply in the vaccine distribution in the U.S.? Yeah, definitely a lot of learnings. You know, we're a global company. We're operating in 220 countries. Uh, We've been doing vaccine distribution for some time prior to COVID. And uh, we've been uh, carefully watching what's been going on in other countries from a distribution perspective, also from a, a... you know, PPE and, and best practices in terms of keeping our employees safe and on the job. Uh, we are working in a little bit different way in North America because we are overseeing the parcel uh, distribution providers of the vaccine, whereas in other parts of the world, we're actually doing the physical distribution. And so it's been a little bit different. We work directly for one of the major uh, vaccine uh, producers. And so we're, we take uh, direct guidance from them in terms of the, uh, the service that they're looking for and uh, the, the visibility and the information that they need to do the job. You know, how, how vital has that um, communication with uh, the manufacturers been in distributing that vaccine? I'm, I'm sure it's a pretty complicated network that has to run smoothly. Yeah, absolutely critical. Uh, we've gotten high marks for the visibility and the information that we're able to provide. And uh, uh, but obviously, it's uh, a lot of eyes are on this distribution uh, far and beyond the, the manufacturer themselves. It's a 24-7 operation. We have challenges in terms of the temperature control aspects of the vaccine and so forth. So one of the most demanding operations that we have today. Uh, can you elaborate on the, the temperature situation? There were you know, just news coming out with the vaccine having to be refrigerated and kept cool for a certain amount of times. And then there's other vaccines that don't really necessarily have to have that particular condition. Uh, was there some issues logistically in just uh, transferring those, those vaccines to you know, point A to point B? I mean, were there any challenges? Yeah, absolutely. I think, Larry, you might want to speak to this one. In, in North America, we're overseeing the parcel providers who have to do some of that heavy lifting. But uh, in other parts of the world, clearly, we're, we're involved in that as well. Uh, thanks, Jim. And certainly, if you consider the context of the, uh, the manufacturers or manufacturer that Jim is referring to uh, and their partner, the, the, the challenge has really been creating and building a supply chain on the fly, so to speak, even before you had the aircraft built. Uh, to some degree, you were building pieces of it along the way. What I mean there is that uh, typically this vaccine supply chain does not, for a logistics provider, does not necessarily go direct to the point of consumption. It's more about being able to bring or import product in the U.S. Uh, for us from, uh, from other parts of the world, 
warehousing that product and then managing the distribution either to the wholesaler or, or perhaps in some cases to the hospital, but a slightly different supply chain than what we've seen come forward with the, uh, the deployment of the COVID vaccines here in the, uh, in the USA. So what Jim's referring to is a, uh, is a unique challenge and something, you know, thankfully we've been able to step up to. Uh, what we are seeing, though, across the world is really three different supply chain archetypes, and um, they almost vary by manufacturer. There's a, a supply chain archetype that I've just articulated, uh, which is about delivering the vaccine directly to the point of consumption, or what in the industry we call POU, the point of utilization. Uh, and there's a, the second supply chain that's developing where we'll see manufacturers move product more in bulk and larger shipments. Uh, to a country and then they'll turn it over to that country infrastructure or whoever the the country is determined to be the right partner to manage that final mile, that movement from warehouse or import to, you know, the, the point where it's going to be transferred from bio to arm. And then over time, we'll see even more of this product as, uh, as inventory levels build up. We'll see more product moved uh, to a country and actually warehouse to be available for uh, an ability to pick or pull on demand. You know, as the, uh, as the inventory is needed, so it's a bit of a shifting sandstorm, if you uh, if you will, particularly because typically vaccines are very seasonally driven. Uh, you know, in our experience, as Jim made the point earlier, we, we move millions of kilos of vaccines on an annualized basis, uh, but we're talking about with COVID something that is probably three times, three to four times what the world normally consumes in total vaccines on an annualized basis. And that's a combination of all vaccines, influenza, meningitis, smallpox, all those types of vaccines that are typically out there. Uh, you know, the, the ordinary global consumption is somewhere between three and four billion doses a year in order to solve this problem for the world because some of the vaccines require two doses. We're talking about a, a number somewhere between 12 and 15 billion doses to be able to satisfy the worldwide need. Um, so it's a it's a real challenge, and everybody in the world wants it at the same time. So um, there are challenges, particularly around some of the initial vaccines that arrive with the uh, the minus 70, the minus 90 C um, temperature uh, requirement, uh, particularly because obviously that requires dry ice. Uh, dry ice has a limiting factor in terms of the amount of it you can put in an aircraft. Uh, it also requires unique packaging and the ability to be able to access dry ice. Uh, to continue to re-ice product, uh, you know, in, in various markets. Storage at that level is not easy to achieve because it takes very, very unique uh, storage units. Um, I think everybody's heard about ultra-low temperature freezers. Uh, they're not easy to get. They're expensive. They require unique power considerations, a unique wiring, and obviously a, a redundancy to ensure that there is a business continuity strategy in the event of something disrupting the uh, the, the supply chain as we saw in some of the challenges in Texas and some of the issues in the U.S. over the, uh, the past week or 10 days. So it's all those considerations that go into really kind of developing and delivering a supply chain uh, that's capable of being resilient enough to respond to that. And uh, I'm lucky to have partners like Jim, um, you know, working with our manufacturers here in the U.S., but uh, we're also doing those same, kind, those same kinds of considerations and working closely uh, with the manufacturers around the world and trying to make sure that uh, we share all the learnings and everything we can glean about how we can continue to improve the supply chain, of course, with the uh, the moral imperative that we have to do our part. You know, the uh, the manufacturers have 
have developed great solutions for us. And now we as logistics partners have to be part of that solution as well. From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a transport topic special report. We're turning our attention to another big issue, electrification and the key factors that will drive this industry trend. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets. One comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest special report, visit ttn.ws forward slash electrification. You know, Larry, I, I just want to touch upon what you had um, mentioned just a, a minute earlier about the, the shifting uh, sandstorm. From the way you describe it, it's definitely a moving target to, uh, to sum it up lightly. You know, when you're talking about 12 to 15 billion doses that you have to distribute across the world. I, I know that that communicate. you talk about the supply chain and just kind of the, I, I want to touch upon the, the communication, the relationships between the hospitals and the pharmaceutical organizations that, that you have to ensure a, a successful operation. I, I know there's probably some parts in it being a big operation where, you know, there's some lines that might be a little strained where others are running particularly smooth. How has DHL worked that balance out to make sure everything is running smoothly? Because there's a lot of moving parts, as you had just mentioned. Well, you know, I think as, uh, as Jim can attest, there are daily conversations that go on uh, really on both sides of the fence. You know, the, uh, the, the, the origin side is we work with the manufacturers and taking their feedback. And uh, we have to be quick to adjust. You know, if there are more points of utilization that are added to the supply chain, uh, can we incorporate and be able to adapt to those? Uh, are we expanding and building the relationships with the, the local recipients of the vaccine as we make those deliveries on behalf of the manufacturers? Are we working closely with the governments to be able to ensure that, you know, we have uh, the right customs procedures and that we are essentially have a fast pass process? Uh, to ensure the last thing you want to do, obviously, if you have vaccines that are moving on an international basis, is having it stopped at the border somehow because the paperwork hasn't been properly completed or because uh, there's a declaration issue for, uh, for, for moving through customs. So it's all those moving pieces. And um, that's why, you know, as I've spoken before in other uh, discussions, it's why it's so critical that um, these companies are able to work with partners like DHL and the other one, other logistics partners that are that are specialists in the life sciences and healthcare business, because this is not an easy business to be able to to satisfy those requirements and comply with the quality standards that go with good distribution practice. Um, you know, it takes a real level of expertise and experience to be able to do that in a process that is focused around building all the right resiliency and the redundancy to ensure that. You, you just don't let anything go wrong because the last thing any of us can afford to do is to have, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of doses arrive out of efficacy levels or, or out of compliance with quality standards. So I, I think it's all those moving pieces that, you know, as Jim uh, made the reference to earlier, um, the fact that we've done this for so many years that we understand what it takes to create the standard operating procedures to be able to provide that level of solution, to be able to provide that quality compliance and, and, you know, ultimately the expertise, the, what I like to call intellectual sweat equity to allow us to be the, the, the partner 
um, that these companies need. And again, I'm, I'm not suggesting DHL is the only one in the industry that can do this, but uh, you know, as one of the industry leaders, uh, we, we, we're here with a moral imperative to help be part of the solution. Yeah, and I, I would just add to that, uh, to what Larry's saying, uh, specific to North America, we are uh, continuing to modify the uh, solution from a technology perspective for uh, the manufacturers and uh, specifically with our My Supply Chain portal, which provides visibility and a lot of other tools to, to our customers. Uh, we have made, uh, we have customized that tool specific to vaccine delivery uh, for uh, signatories on uh, delivery of shipments. Uh, we are having to deliver now to uh, sites that don't necessarily have a, a typical mailing address, uh, you know, shipping into CDC sites and makeshift uh, stadiums and things like that where these vaccines are being distrib distributed. Um, so it's really been a, a changing uh, landscape for us as we go uh, each and every week. You know, Jim, when you're touching upon the, you know, this, the, the handling of the technology and the, the data, uh, you know, there's one thing that, you know, DHL has done concerning that is the control tower. Uh, could you just elaborate on that, just the deployment of that and, and, and how that went about? Yeah, we have a, a control tower in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, that is operating um, on behalf of uh, several customers, but it is our life sciences uh, center of excellence where we operate on behalf of multiple life science customers. We have a large warehouse campus there as well. And it is that group that is uh, essentially touching every vaccine uh, shipment from a data perspective. Um, they have the latest in technology and analytics, that information is being provided directly to the customer on an ongoing basis, re real time, uh, as we get status updates from the parcel providers. Uh, we, it starts with the orders being dropped from our customer, the manufacturer. Uh, we optimize those, identify uh, the proper routing and carrier and uh, consolidate where we can, uh, and then track that through to uh, final delivery anywhere in North America. You simply described a very complex, you know, process. <laughs> you know, um, you know, because I mean, as you and Larry had, you know, stated this is a very, uh, you know, complicated uh, undertaking, and and doing it so well, and having this being under the efforts are still underway. Have there been some lessons learned in just the distribution in the U.S. where going forward you could apply this to just regular vaccine distribution in the future? Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, we are, uh, as I mentioned, learning every day, uh, updating procedures uh, and capabilities, uh, understanding better what, what the needs are, the destination locations, being able to give proactive alerts to let people know of, of delivery dates and times, as well as uh, if there's any type of delay going on, uh, we can track uh, the the temperature of the shipment, uh, as well, so we can ensure that uh, things are kept at the proper uh, uh, temperature f uh, throughout the, the transit. And, uh, you know, we continue to make uh, modifications to the process as, we're, as we learn. Yeah, I would say, uh, in addition to Jim's comments, that the same things happen on a globalized basis. As we're continuing to distribute more of this, we're working carefully and really learning from the data that we gather from the sensors. Um, that are embedded in every box that allow us to continue to refine that. We're looking at ways that uh, we can leverage capabilities to be able to anticipate potential risk, 
Um, you know, if you think about the uh, the challenges that the uh, the, the geographic or, or the uh, ecological conditions that we had with weather just in the U.S., you know, how can we anticipate that on a global basis and really build on a solution um, to ensure that, you know, perhaps we have to recommend to the manufacturer that it might be wise to delay a shipment to this particular country for a day or two because of this potential uh, you know, in the world, but I was really refining that at the end of the day with the focus and understanding that this is a process that's going to go on for months, you know, potentially even more than a year as we work forward to be able to vaccinate the uh, the entire world and getting better at this, um, particularly when we start to see vaccine flows increase into the lesser developed countries where the, the infrastructure, the road infrastructure and the capabilities may not be as uh, significantly developed as they are in the U.S. or in Central Europe or some of the more prosperous parts of the world. I, I think those are critical learnings that we're going to have to build upon as we uh, we continue to refine the solution and try to be part of the answer and certainly no longer you know letting the problem continue to be something that stops us all from getting back to a level of normalcy. Well, this seems like a good place to end here. Larry, uh, Jim, it was a pleasure having you on the show. And, and thank you for uh, making us smarter and, and learning more about the vaccine distribution. Thanks for having us. Thanks. In times like these, it's crucial to stay informed. Transport Topics is offering all the information you need to make business decisions in these unprecedented times. And in the wake of the many event cancellations and group gatherings, TT ensures a virtual way to consume business content and conversation. To join the conversation and stay ahead of the news, follow Transport Topics on all social outlets or by visiting ttn.ws forward slash stay informed. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original question. How has the industry's execution of COVID-19 vaccine distribution fared thus far? As we heard from our guests, the huge undertaking of distributing a much-needed vaccine to millions of Americans is a once-in-a-lifetime event. However, the distribution process is not. It's a process that has been tested and modified over decades to meet this necessary challenge. As we approach the one-year mark of the arrival of the novel coronavirus, it's important to remember the effect it has had on basic everyday life. It has grown to be a shared sacrifice. This distribution process is no different. Shippers like DHL and others have coordinated with a network of partners, specialists working with pharmacies, hospitals, and healthcare providers across the world to assure proper distribution. We also found that in time within this process, the logistics will only improve as we continue to battle the virus and eventually return to a new normal. If you enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with the Road Signs team or reach me on Twitter at Michael V. Freeze. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Michael Freeze. Thank you for listening. 